though you seek vengeance as much as I do. You help me escape Asgard and I will grant it to you. Vengeance. And afterward this cell. <sighs> you must be truly desperate to come to me for help. What makes you think you can trust me? I don't. And you should know that when we fought each other in the past, I did so with a glimmer of hope that my brother was still in there somewhere. That hope no longer exists to protect you. You betray me, and I will kill you. Do you expect me to talk? of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. I'm okay, thank you for asking. I can't think of a, of a funny uh, a, fu- a funny comment to this film, so um, give me a shoe. <laughs> Throw me a bone. <laughs> no, I, th- I think we'll be wading through uh, this film as, as much as we can. Um, it was a struggle, I'm not going to lie. Was it that bad? Anyway, was it really that bad? Well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Okay. Um, anyway, folks, this time we battle Dark Elves and review Thor, The Dark World, starring Chris Hemsworth, Christopher Eccleston, Natalie Portman, Jamie Alexander, Edris Elba, Zachary Levi, whatever, how do you pronounce his name, Anthony Hopkins, Tom Hilderson, <laughs> Captain Nings, and his creation more. Um, Scored by Brian Tyler. That's a bit harsh, sorry. Um... Screenplay Christopher Yost, Stephen McFeely, and Christopher Marcus, directed by Alan Taylor from Game of Thrones, um, and released in 2013. Um, all kinds of names that I can't pronounce. So sorry for all these Hollywood stars whose names I have just butchered. Well, to be fair, yeah, like, you know, if they were Hollywood stars, you probably wouldn't butcher them, would you? Well, no. Because <laughs> if, if, if Arnold Schwarzenegger. If Arnold Schwarzenegger was this like really sort of low key like in indie actor, it would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, you... But then my my A level German means that I can probably pronounce his name. Probably, but you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> this is it. This is it. But I'll, I'll do my best, and yeah, it will just be the English the anglicization of various names. I, I'll so just probably say just that him one. from Lost. <laughs> yeah, him from Grimm or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so all the Christophers in this film in front of and behind the camera but no, anyway um, perceptions of this film how did we come to it, what did we think upon seeing it in the cinema and how did we get on with this home release viewing uh, David what do you think? Okay. Uh, I was <laughs> I've, I've had a bit of a shock here because I was getting ready to um I was getting ready to defend this film because I, I just remember Phase 2 starting. I thought Iron Man 3 was at least a departure for, you know, an attempt to do something different. And and at the time, I'd really not enjoyed Thor in Phase 1 particularly. And, and, and it just felt, on first viewing, looser somehow. It just felt freed up. 
everyone just felt a bit more comfortable in their roles and it let go a bit and I didn't like Christopher Eccleston in it I've, I don't know if I've ever liked Christopher Eccleston in anything I think I think I recognize objectively he's a pretty good actor but he's someone that just always seems to take everything too fucking seriously now I know it's their job and their craft and they're supposed to make a proper effort with it but I don't know. He's got a bit of a reputation as difficult to work with, and I, I can completely see it in the in the guy. He just looks difficult, and I find him difficult to watch somehow. And um, apparently, so he's a nice really... guy, but I think what it is, he I think he's just one of the actors who's confused. Like he wants to do theatre and be all serious, but at the same time wonders why aren't getting bigger roles, and just kind of ha- tries to sort of want want it both both ways sometimes and i don't think quite you know doesn't quite work out I, that way. I don't know i mean i don't know the guy mm. particularly well even sort of as a popular figure in that i haven't seen a massive number of interviews with him i, I don't really want I'm, I'm doing him down without much evidence really it's yeah. just a vibe he gives off yeah and so it, it didn't surprise me that like he was totally ill-suited to this it, it just Marvel villain. It, it should never be played by Christopher Eccleston. It's just wrong somehow. But I just remember finding it a lot freer. I found a lot of um, this is on first viewing. I found there quite a bit of chemistry between Loki and Thor. I found, um, and I, I remember at the time kind of enjoying the third act quite a bit. You know, just I thought they used a bit of inventiveness with it. You know, in Greenwich and and all those sort of portals and. You know, and Cat Cat Demings like funny res- and her, her intern and all the rest of it, and I, I just thought I, I just remember enjoying it, but not loving it. So when it sort of became, and it was almost a retcon. I don't remember it being said immediately, but within a few months, it suddenly became our worst Marvel film, uh, which had always been sort of Iron Man two and the Incredible Hulk, sort of a photo finish between the two, and. I was a little bit surprised, but the only thing that gave that any credence in my own head was the fact that I never wanted to rewatch the film. I bought it. I bought it on home release, and I think it went on the side, and that was it. And I've been the same with Ragnarok, to be well, to be fair, which is a film I'm a lot more positive about. I, I just think maybe Thor's not for me. I like the actor a lot, and, and I think the sort of air saying of the character's kind of, kind of cool, but maybe it's just not for me, because I, I tend to buy the Thor films and just stick them on the pile. But... Um, by and large, I was getting ready to sort of defend it. I was getting ready to say, come on, it's not that bad. I mean, look how dour the Incredible Hulk was. Look how formulaic and and uh, future signalling, you know, Iron Man 2 was. Uh, and I have to say, boy, did I get fucking schooled watching this again. Oh, my God, I had a fucking dreadful time with it. Um, this is going flat bottom of my rankings, and I find it hard to believe anything will fall under it. I was epically bored all the way through. I found it... I, I, I kind of like the opening narration, which seems to be kind of a, a Thor um, a formula, if you like. And they talk about that a bit in the um, director's commentary, which, surprisingly enough, is fucking dull as shit. But they were talking about how it was almost seen as a formula even before it became a formula. And then thereafter, I struggled with the whole film. I think Loki with his mother was an interesting scene. Loki and Thor, where Thor gives up the sort of, not Thor, where Loki gives up the pretense and the illusion and he sat in a decimated cell 
with his hair sort of lankly hanging around him. I think those are interesting scenes. But thereafter, I'm struggling with it. It's got the worst villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, it's got Natalie Portman front and centre, and I'm never convinced she wants to do these films, and I don't think she's very good in this. Um, it's got a so what plot that's just basically going, oh, we best get on with this Infinity Stone thing, and we can come on to that in a bit. And what I found sort of charming about the film I think first time was the third act because I've got such a third act problem just generally in life I thought that like the very fact that the strongest act was the third act on first viewing gave it a sort of charm that like oh they tried something different when I watch it today the the, the action is just weak it's just really really weak and it, it's trying to throw some laughs in but the villain has no levity in it so it all jars terribly Asgard looks better because I did think the first film looked a bit cheap but better doesn't mean good I think um, I think it looks okay but there's still a lot of very visible green screen in it. Frankly um, if this is the worst film Marvel ever do we're in a good position with this series because it's not, it isn't terrible terrible, it isn't like a Superman 4, it isn't like a Batman and Robin but it doesn't do anything well it's got a bad villain. It's got it's got a bad script. It's got a bad leading lady. It's got two really boring acts, and the third act, which has some sort of inventiveness to it on the page, is executed really badly. So yeah, I had a terrible time with this. So a film I was getting ready to pre to protect and defend, and maybe say, come on, it's not that bad. It's four or five off the bottom. It isn't at the bottom. Yeah, I've been schooled. This is at the bottom. This is the worst film we've covered so far. So, uh, three stars then? So, three out of five. <laughs> three out of five. 3.5 out of five. Uh, Becca, what, what's your thoughts? Oh dear, that was a scathing indictment. Um, I Perhaps it's a bit kinder to her. But no. Um, She's going to yeah. say all the same stuff, but smile. <laughs> but with a smile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I obviously saw this one at the cinema. I think... Um, for me, obviously, being like a Doctor Who fan, Eccleston was probably the draw. But it really surprised me that he's in this film. <laughs> I don't know why. Eccleston, I, I, um, I was just he doesn't like, well, fit at all, does he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't, and that's that's nothing to him. I do. I rate him as an actor, um, and he is like a serious actor. For example, like he was. Yeah, but he thinks, he's in, he thinks he's in the Tempest or something, doesn't well, he? Well, he, he is. He's, <laughs> if you if you listen to interviews with him about this role, he certainly sees Merkith as, as very much um, a sort of a tragic villain, if that makes sense. Um, trying to imbue him with some kind of like Shakespearean-ness um, or aspect to, to his character for sure. Um, but yeah, he doesn't quite belong in this film. Um, makeup's amazing. I must say I did notice obviously the makeup and the effects in this film, which took me out of the world of the film, but never mind. Um, because I was like, well, when's, you know, when's Eccleston going to appear? Blah, blah, blah. And then Obviously, he came on screen with Malcolm, and I was like, "Oh, really? You know, makeup is so good. You, if it wasn't for his accent, you wouldn't notice him." Um, yeah. It's quite good because he sort of disappears into the role. Um, but yeah, I would say compared to the first film, it does look a lot better. The effects are a lot better. Um, had many years of of improved Marvel CGI. Um, I agree with your point, Dave, about Hiddleston um, and Hemsworth having much more um, chemistry. I know they didn't have chemistry, but there's more more angst between them this time around 
Kurt Dennings is still really funny. Um, has some really good lines um, of not being able to, to pronounce Monia, which is quite quite funny. Um, very much love amped up a little bit. It's nice when he comes back at the end and, and gives her a snog. That's very juicy. Um, some great comedic moments as well. I think this is a funnier film. It's one of the um, not, not one of the funniest films in the series, but um, it has more lighter moments. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think the first when I was at the cinema, I, was, I really did struggle to to remember a lot of it when I sort of came out. It was quite forgettable, and then obviously watching it again for this for this viewing, I did struggle a little bit, and I was just having to force my way through it. It was like wading through treacle a little bit. But the only things kind of pulled me out really were um, Exxon's performance, like disappearing into the role. Um, has it been? I'm not familiar with the character though. Has he been specially created for this film, or is he an established no, Marvel character? No, he's a Marvel established. Yeah, no, I, I did sort of think. I did suspect where I was going to think, oh, I've not come across him so far. Just obviously not being familiar. So, any hardcore Marvel fans out there, apologies for my ignorance. But there it is. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it this time around. It's free, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but said Dave. But no, I enjoyed his performance this time around. Um, and I did literally marvel at the effects and the makeup. Because um, I think the ingenuity on that level in, this, in these films just keep on getting better and better. Um, but yeah, that's the things I enjoyed. So yeah, I had a bit of a bit of a difficult time with this one. Um, I'll probably maybe rank it middling to like the lower half. Um, it's not right at the bottom for sure. But yeah, I think it will take me a few more sights to uh, to come through it. Um, Chris, how about yourself? Uh, well, yeah, I I mean the thing with Eccleston is that he had majority of his characters like stuff just taken out or or whatever. So whatever he was doing just isn't there and I think that's part of the problem uh, I think if I had to describe this film and I think uh, judging from what everyone has said as well I think everything is just perfunctory uh, I, and I don't hate I actually I don't hate it I actually I, I've, I've watched it twice since and I've actually enjoyed both viewings but at the same time it's it's very much yeah um, you know, I, I you know I, I enjoy it while it's on screen, but at the same time, it gives me nothing. I mean, what I really loved about the first four film is that it had a real heart, and I think what's missing here, it had a, you know, is a bit of heart. You know, I want to feel something when you know the stuff between Loki and four. I want to feel something. You know, when Loki dies, spoiler alert, or supposedly dies. You know, yeah, spoiler alert there. We, you know, we we should actually be like. We should really feel something. We should really like sort of mourn, like mourn for him. Like we should be with four, but it's just like, oh right, so they killed him. Okay. Um, At least one of those things, though. What you know, he is quite a tricksy character. So there's a kind of element of is he, isn't he? Yeah. Who can we trust? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's, yeah, but it, it's just, it, the feeling isn't there. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to, when you think about these things, like this is how it should work. Now. You know, you know. I actually don't think Natalie Portman is is that bad, and I think she she's absolutely fine. I mean, I, I think you know, I think if you told me she wants to be there, I'd believe you. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't think the script really does anything between him and four. Um, him and four. Sorry, what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think the script does anything does anything with her character and four. Um, Reminds me of the summer review where I was talking positively about The Rock and Wayne Johnson's yes. performance. 
<laughs> it was so he himself in too. It, it was so good. It was. So I had to give credit to both sides of his personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's you know, it, I, I think yeah, I think generally it's fine, but I think ultimately, I mean, it, had a, it has a nice characteristic of being like its own like sort of sci-fi fantasy thing, which I I liked. But end day, you have you have. Uh, a non entity of a of a lead villain who who is whose main motives aren't to established. Say the least. I mean, there's, 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 there's no motives established really. I mean, no, it's, like, all, it's revenge, but it's not a general revenge. Well, but when for what for? It's not in the film, really. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. It's yeah. just like I, I I want this to take you know, over. It's right, it's, it it reminds me of um, and uh, the, the character we're about to mention did have a motivation, but the way they introduced him in Batman and Robin. When they went, oh. there's a new villain, Mr. Freeze. It's like, all right. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. It's a bit, there's this guy and he's waiting for a convergence. <laughs> Off we go then. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But, as, yeah as, as, you, as you say, Chris, it is a bit perfunctory. Yeah, it, it, that, and that's just it. I mean, like, that should tell you everything really. It's like, okay, we've got a new villain and there's nothing nothing to him whatsoever his main henchman played by mr aaa you know him from lost um he's, <laughs> he, he, he's been in other stuff he usually plays like the henchman kind of lead roles and he and he's normally fine in what he does but majority of his time he's like a big rock monster he might as well not be cast there's no point in having in casting anyone Particularly, oh, by the way, you know, if it was, it was nearly, um, uh, what's his name? What's his name? The chief from uh, Casino Royale. Uh, I forgot his oh, name. Oh yeah. Was that Fun Facts? The, fun Facts, fake. Oh. Did I? Did I've I just got, spoil I've Fun Facts? I've got a various list of, of Fun Facts. Okay, there. that's fine. Then. But yeah, just 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 imagine just what waste. Just going to move down one on the list. <laughs> no, I've got another Fun Fact. But yeah, I think it would have been. I mean, I do, I do well, like. That, I, mean, I, I do rate him as an actor, but I think it would have been more interesting. Had Nicholson been in the role? Yeah, but let's let's be honest, right? Eccleston is shit in this. Uh, whether he's a good he's actor or bad actor, of makeup. Yeah, but he's he's just wrong for it, right? He's just he is crap in it. I I can't think of any other way to put it. It it, it you know it's all very well saying well he's a good actor and I rate him and he's shit in it. There, there's no other way to put it. He's he's in the wrong film. One of the, I think he's one of the worst things the Marvel Cinematic Universe I, has ever I come think... up with. I think the main culprit is not necessarily at at Eccleston, but no. it's more it's more the case of like there's just nothing there at all. I mean, mm. I mean, Eccleston does what he's been asked to do, but what, if look he like, look been... like he needs to fart. Well, <laughs> but what else has he been asked to do? What else is there on on the page that gives you like he might have experimented? With I mean, following like through I mean, they had the idea of him like speaking Elvish. Okay, well that's kind of cool, but. Like there's nothing else to that. It's like I need, I need to get hold of the ether to take over, the, and that's it. We have the the bit bit at the beginning, which is vaguely interesting, where he like, you know, kills like a, a large proportion of his men so he can get away. Now, you know, either that's like an act of cowardice, or maybe the dark elves are kind of like kamikaze and sort of like have a group mentality of like, you know, of this thing. But that's not established. We don't. I don't know. I mean, I mean that bit of cowardice could be a good 
personality trait. I mean, I only thought of it when he dies later on, which I thought, oh, again, that's the same site where that had that first battle we, we saw at the beginning. And I was like, oh, okay. So that could have been a bit of penance for doing that. But then none of it... We, I don't know if that was cowardice. It's not... It's not established in the film at all. They've done nothing with the villain at all. And I think there's so little character stuff that was just... Yeah, the thing is, what we're, what we're off to here with Phase 2 really is a very, very safety first start. All of this was deep into production by the time The Avengers was released. Because hmm. um, we're in the first year or so. We're in the first sort of 15, 16, 17 months after The Avengers. Um so I, I think the first two entries, whilst Iron Man 3 did take some more risks and try something different, the very fact that you kick off Phase 2 by going back to Tony Stark is very safety first. Hmm. Um, and I feel a little bit the same about this. The big risks come with the next two. Yeah. Both the tone, they, but, well, not so much doing a Captain America film, but what they did with it. And also after that, they took the biggest risk they, they maybe ever took, certainly until something like Black Panther where you think, is that going to alienate some of the audience? Will this sell? I mean, they, at, once they sold Guardians of the Galaxy, you think, well, they could put a fucking fresh turd on the screen and people will go and see it. <laughs> not because not because Guardians bad, but because I almost felt like when they tried to make that film, they were trolling us. Not because it was going to be bad, but because they had a bet to see what is the most obscure thing we can attempt to sell. But I, I think it's actually inspired. I think they need to get I Guardians. completely agree, and I'm going to be very, very kind to that film, by the way. I'm not saying anything negative about that no, film. No. I'm saying quite the opposite. That, But it almost plays that, like... I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is only... What are we? Uh, six films in the first phase. This is film eight. It's film ten. You know, So within yeah. the first ten films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've gone that obscure to the casual viewer... I think, um, I think I th- that was I more that... that was more calculating than um, the sorry, say the really press um, let on at the time because I think they had to find some way to introduce more of a space setting for the all yeah. the Infinity Stones and the Guardians was a good fun movie to do that so I yeah. think it was actually an inspired choice that they thought actually but, but it, it's brave it's brave it's oh, brave because yeah, it's going to be it expensive kind of... and there's no guarantee the audience will go for it yeah. at this point they genuinely can stick a Marvel logo on almost anything and it will do at least 500 million at least hmm. uh, but that you know we didn't really know that at this stage a couple of the first phase films only took you know I can't remember what they took now but one or two of them only did in the sort of three or four hundreds I think Captain America and he did 300 and something mm. so um, you never know for certain and, and I think this feels safety first but they're aware that every few films they have to introduce a new Infinity Stone so they've introduced one here how interestingly they've introduced it is neither here nor there and I think it was it was only in the post credit sequence I could actually tie it to which Infinity Stone it was I know, I know which Infinity Stone this is this is the reality stone because it's mm-hmm. it's, st- it's stored with the collector, which is um, where Thanos is when uh, the Guardians catch up with him, and of course he's created this um, illusion that nowhere's fine. Uh, and when that reality is stripped away, it's in flames, and the collector's all beaten up and everything else. And that is the reality stone. The ether is the reality stone. Oh, okay. Mm. But that you wouldn't know that until the post credits. No, no. It's only because, since you do have because, to stick because they, because they drop it with the collector. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. So we introduced to um, 
Oh, what was his name? <laughs> Noises to kill. Four. Benicio <laughs> del Toro. I know. I think he'll, he'll probably be known as like that was like his first screen role. Yeah, um, only by you. Most viewers think of like the usual suspects. Also. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I would like. Very cool. Yeah, the usual suspects definitely. Um, and Ascaria, obviously, very cool film. Um, one of the one of the poster boy examples of henchmen laughing at things that aren't funny. <laughs> they always do that, don't they? They're doing something yeah. not that amusing, and they're pissing themselves laughing. And he's, yeah, he finds it hilarious usually because they're on crack or something like that, for example. Well, it's just that like sort of that kind of like group mentality. You sort of like you get behind the leader, so you like you sort of like it's like the you know you you're you're backing him up by laughing at everything he says, even though that it's actually not a funny bit. It's meant to be intimidating, but. Yeah, so I mean, as a, I mean, we, we got to remember. I mean, when I looked at it at the time, I liked it on first viewing. Yeah, I didn't love it, but I liked it, and I, I like whenever you. The thing is, a, a good third act can sort of paper over a lot of cracks for me. It really can, and because I found it like inventive and a bit different, I thought I came out like buzzing, forgetting the first two acts are dull as shit, and actually the third act's not anywhere near as good as I remember it being it is reasonably funny I think people look at Rock, Ragnarok and say oh they've, they've you know they've lost all their seriousness and they've just gone funny with Thor well all three of the four the four films are quite funny yeah. all three of them Ragnarok I think yeah if you want a bit of levity go for the Marvel Universe obviously apart from the Avengers movies um, I would say it's probably some of the lightest the and the Avengers films are really funny. I, I wouldn't say yeah, exactly. any of them that aren't like. I, th- I think they are. If you're going to go for a comedy value, I would say they are the funniest. They have like the most jokes, for example. But if you want more kind of like more levity, or, you know, comedy, comedy. Yeah. Can't speak comedic moments. I think Thor is, you know, the, yeah. even though it's quite a weighty, um, like North mythology and things like that. Um, there are more like lighter moments to be had, you know, in the Thor series. I mean, 18 months on from this, this very director uh, directed Termina- Terminator Genesis, which is oh one of the worst I've raised it from my memory. We'll cover the Terminator films one day, and we're likely to have Charlie on for that series because he's a big Terminator fan. Um, it's in the next oh. handful of series. It'll still take a you know, couple of years to get there, but we'll cover Genesis the Genesis is the one where films. they can't spell it. Uh, well, it's not even that. It's just dumb as shit. It, we've got to get to the future as soon as possible. <laughs> Why? Okay. Where's it? Why? Where's it going? <laughs> you know, it really is the dumbest fucking film I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's one of those that's like sub Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin oh, is Christ. always worse because of the. Is it worse than Superman Four? Well, no, because Superman Four is is flat out incompetent and really cheap. But Super, something like Batman and Robin, as bad as it is, a lot of it is the aesthetic effect. It looks like a fucking you know toy franchise. Um, which Terminator doesn't in the same way, but it, but it's just as fucking stupid. It really is. So I'm not sure about this Terminator, this uh, this uh, director, the guy who went on to do that. Um, don't know too much about the writers without looking into it. You know, good cast on paper, and people like Stellan Skarsgård really, really good in this, but I'm looking at it now, it's 112 minutes, and yet it feels like the longest Marvel film to me, and it isn't. It isn't anywhere near it. It's one of the shorter ones. So, uh, yeah, I really, really wasn't impressed by this. Um, but it's... Thank it is, God for it being so short. It is one of those where, you know, every every now and again, your, your initial look at a film just isn't where you settle with it. And, and I say, this is one of those. 
I came out and talked this up to start with. I didn't think it was amazing, but I thought it was pretty decent. And I couldn't understand what people were getting at. But yeah, I get it now. This isn't good. Um, with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? If we must. <laughs> oh, let's, not, let's not fucking bother then. That's not the shortest podcast ever. One of the shortest films in the series, so... That uh, uh, yeah, it might even be the shortest. I'm not sure about the Incredible Hulk or a couple of the really early. Uh, ones. I think yeah, the Hulk and th- these two definitely um, yeah. uh, among the well definitely are the shortest. Uh, 112 minutes, and you think oh, that's yeah. with credits and that's with like a portentous fucking narration at the start from Anthony Hopkins <laughs> and the rest of it. Yeah, and um, I was just struggling from the start. We start with um, the narration from Anthony Hopkins, which is to the Thor series what, you know, um, Patrick it, Stewart's It, it, it is full-out Welsh got. as well. Um, Many moons ago. In... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he does have the accent going in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good impression. But, uh, yeah... <laughs> We, we see basically Thor's dad fighting uh, Malekith. I just love, even this just feels, I mean, it's got some weight to it because it's got a fairly weighty actor doing it. It's got all the sort of Lord of the Rings feeling sort of visuals. And again, it's a bit like you can get Patrick Stewart at the start of the X-Men films. It doesn't matter what he says. It's Patrick Stewart. I don't give a mm. shit what he's narrating. It's the very fact he's there. And it's the same with this. But it does add up to... Uh, Back in the year 800 and something, uh, this guy turned up and he wanted this thing, but we beat him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it in a nutshell, folks. That's it. And, and now he's and off he... hiding somewhere. And now he's off, well, something about suspended animation or something with a burnt mm. face or something. No, no, that, that, was Schwar- that, that was for the game was that, that later on. Was it? Okay. He wants the ether. And it's something to do with controlling the nine realms, which is a, basically, it turns up as a load of circles on top of each other, which just, yeah. just none of it makes any sense to me at all. And it's uh, Odin's father who beats him. Yeah. And they escape. According to Wikipedia, it says this, because the film doesn't tell me this at all. It says they escape into suspended animation. So right. they go into stasis, Dave Lister style. Dave Lister. <laughs> the film didn't tell Same me that at all. As many years later with a cat. Evolved, so. Yeah, <laughs> it's a human he, com- life. He, c- he comes out in Asgard. They've just, you know, they've. He goes, they've... Oh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, <laughs> S-E-X, I think I found it. I think I found it, y'all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we the dead Malekith. Everyone's dead Malekith. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's dead. Mal- Goodness sake, everyone's dead. Yeah, everyone's dead, Dave. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you um, want some toast? <laughs> Howdy diddly do, I'm the talkie toaster. <laughs> Sorry. It's alright. One of these days we will do. Do you need a toast? Do you want a toasted tea cake? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we cut to current day. We will oh. do a dwarf podcast one of these days. I think we might. Becca and I have sort of chatted about it a bit as possible. I don't know what uh, we're going to do or how we're going to do it, but we will do one. It'll be funny. Red dwarf somehow. But anyway, present day Asgard, this is one of the few present pleasant surprises in the film, in that Asgard looks better. They've just improved the sky, they've improved the scale of it. Once the action kicks off later, it actually looks a bit more cartoonish. But in establishing shots, um, this this is a big improvement. It looks more dark and dusty, doesn't it? It looks more, more like... Uh... It... 
I won't. I I'm not going to say gritty because it's not, but it. You know, it. It looks. It has a different tone. It's not as bright and shiny. Um, no, it, I, I do actually kind of like the sensibility that's been brought to mm. this. So I, I like the look of it, uh, and at the same time, the warriors and uh, Thor are off fighting on Vanaheim, is it? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what the fuck this is about. This is final peace for the Nine Realms or something. Yeah, basically. Um, it's good. It's a good uh, introduction for Thor in just yeah. the way he appears and shit. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Have I ever mentioned you really good James Bond? Yeah. You yeah. may have. Yeah. May, may, maybe I haven't said that. It'll, it'll be 52 by the time. <laughs> He'll get them out together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Um, have a decade where they did two fucking films. Yeah, so basically. Oh, that, that, that's another argument for another time. And we shall have that on. So we have. Um, it's essentially a battle because all, like all the nine realms have just been been chaos and has been all out war because the Bifrost. I think destroyed. that's yeah. I think that's because the Bifrost has been destroyed. One of the things the director did point out is you can actually see the join in the repaired Bifrost. I don't know if you guys noticed it. No, but when yeah, you, see, a a when you actually that's see the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. Um, <laughs> oh, when dear. I. I yeah, it's not a euphemism or something for lesbianism or something. I linked her on a rainbow bridge or whatever. But, um, but it's no, it's a euphemism actually... for, for death, actually. Is it? Yeah, so, like, when when, when, when people or animals die, it, 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 can be, it can be a way of saying, oh, another one for, like, rainbow, oh, sand, rainbow bridge, for example. Rainbow bridge, don't they? Yeah, like, when, when, you, like my, when my dog died I'm recently, sure it's, oh, it's gone to rainbow animals. bridge, you know, it was crossed rainbow bridge. Or also, it reminds me of rainbow road in my I I I, 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 I always roads. thought it's where I found the pot of gold with the leprechaun left it. Oh yeah, at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> but the actual rainbow bridge itself, when I say the because that is the Bifrost, but I often think of that as like mm-hmm. when they're being transported somewhere, that's the Bifrost, isn't it? But you so can see a seam in it. I mean the bridge itself, you can see a seam in it where it's been mm-hmm. repaired. Um, so yeah, they're just bringing peace back. So it's just an introduction mm. to Thor. It's just him arriving and going. Yeah. Bring a peace back, not bring it back in one piece. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> there where like you, you say, sort of give an excuse to sort of pass on like, oh well, well you're only available for one day of filming, so uh, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> to, to the Oriental guy. <laughs> um, yeah. I always love scenes like that because it makes you think. Oh, okay. Well, that's clearly you know. Yeah. There's a lot of films like that where you see an you see an actor in like two scenes. They're wearing the same clothes both times, and they've got a combined total of thirty five seconds of dialogue. You go, yep, you had them for a day. <laughs> um. So, where do we, we? They learn that this convergence is coming, but I can't remember how they learn. Oh, what the the dark elves. Yeah, they, they, the Asgardians learn that this convergence is coming. The alliance. Um, I don't know, we get like get a bunch of established stuff. We basically have four, like, you know, looking a bit sad because he's missing his bird. Um, yes. And, uh... And, yeah, because at one point, like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but Odin says, she ain't going to live very long, do her instead, and points at Jamie Alexander. <laughs> and, and I just... Queen. I can't disagree, to be honest. Like, you know, at least go with someone who wants to be in these films. 
Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. That was another another thing that they they just ignored. Like any sort of tension between those two characters. There was, because they they would look at each other a certain way, and it was all coming from Jamie Alexander, and it came off as though she kind of almost um, improvised it. Yeah. It, it reminded me. It of, certainly um, wasn't in the script, was it? So it, well, it it reminded me of Ilsa at the end of Mission Impossible Six, where she was she's giving looks to um, what's her name? Oh, uh, Bridget Moore. Is it Bridget? No, no, Michelle Moore. Michelle Moore. Sorry, you're not Bridget. Yeah, no, Michelle. He's, but she whispers in her ear and stuff, and all of that is like improvised. Mm. And it, it was a bit like that. I think Jamie Alexander was actually finding like wrinkles that weren't actually in the script. I think, yeah. but I might be wrong. So that's cool. But we, we haven't really got to that yet because we, we, when we meet Jane Foster, she's now in London, mm. Liv- living in a flat in central London, which is probably the most fantastic bit of this film. You know, for all the magic, it's actually the fact that research scientists can afford to live in an apartment in central London. <laughs> And that, that, was both, that was both. I mean, yeah, all this like flying through, the, flying through the galaxy just using your hammer. Totally realistic compared to research scientists being able to <laughs> <laughs> afford an apartment in central London. Well, that because anyone. Well, well yeah, with like the idea of like four, ma- the magic of the things. The idea of magic of four. You know, that's a that's a flight of fantasy. You know, but yeah. but like when when you actually you like a research scientist gets a uh, <laughs> like apartment in the middle of London, that now you're just taking a fucking piss. Just... Yeah, basically, she should be commuting in two hours a day each yeah. way, no no problem at all. Because like the whole southeast of England is really fucking expensive. None of us could afford to live there. No. In fact, Becca lives in a fairly expensive part of the country, but like even that's nowhere near as bad. No, I'm only expensive because of Novichok. Um... What, what, people pay to pay for the premium? For not being where, poisoned. Where's that place where you could get nerve poisoning? Wow! Oh, the house prices have gone mental since that happened. Well, I'm happy to report that there was an incident recently last week, but the restaurant involved has now reopened. I bet it's, I bet it's doing gangbusters business. <laughs> it was actually, I went past there today, and actually they, were, they looked pretty much, like, fully booked, actually. They looked pretty much packed, so... But anyway, that's by the by. But yeah, no, Salisbury is quite expensive. Um, but, but central London is very expensive, as, yeah. as we all know. So anyway, that, that, that's the really far-fetched bit, them living in London. Mm, um, yeah, that's the most far-fetched bit of the whole film. I've got to give the film at least some credit in that despite we do we do see some of the cliched stuff, I mean, particularly when like Americans shoot in London, they all shoot the same stuff. They've always got the gherkin in it in recent that building the gherkin. They've they've always got fucking Tower Bridge in it. In recent they've always got the London Eye in it. In got recent the eye, years, yeah, London Eye. In, in recent years the Shard. They they all shoot the same fucking like tiny bit. Um and he does that. I mean we do see them sort of, you know, a, appearing on top of the gherkin later in the film. But they actually shoot in some sort of fairly shitty backstreet bits as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah it's really grimy bits. This is not where I would have imagined them ever shooting a Thor film. No, but and I'm not sure. You, you I like kind of got the you got the mix between like the, the everyday, the kind of like the real and like industrial side to it, um, and also kind of like this typically touristy shots that like you would see around London, like with all the landmarks, assuming in one place. But then you've got kind of like how you know about these but kids he, discover the, the convergence. Know, but when Thor, Thor turns up in that fucking like 
parking area and it just doesn't look right because it's shot through shot through very sort of gray cool cinematography as well doesn't look right at all it would be like having mr freeze in a ken loach film Mm, it, it really does look weird, but they they're noticing some weird. Well, I think it has to be in like an area like this, like like an area where it's like kind of like in in the middle of nowhere, where where you're not have like loads of people, but you know, yeah, where, so. Where, so where, where basically it's a, it's a place where like a bunch of weird shit's happening. Mm. So um, yeah, so Jane mm. Foster, she's on a date with uh, Chris O'Dowd, him of the It Crowd. And, IT uh, crowd, yeah. IT crowd, yeah. I'm disabled. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just turn it off and on again. And uh, they get interrupted by Darcy, who um, who's I, fit. I, yeah, this joke well, did, well, this well, joke what really kind of gets me about the scene is like he thinks she's a waitress. Exactly. Have you ever seen a waitress dressed like this? No. That's the, no. the dress code of the of the waiters in that restaurant is wear a big duffel coat and and hat. I, I... Had she been wearing a skirt and a blouse? Yeah. No, she's obviously her sister. It's like, what? I don't get it. I don't I don't get this. He, he, he asks for some water or something. It's like, yeah. if that's meant to be funny, because we know she's not a waitress, no. that doesn't work. She, she's, she's, dressed, she's dressed in like a hat and a duffel coat. Yeah. I've never seen a waitress come exactly. to a waitress. <laughs> that's what I, that's the thing that gets me about it. I was like, why Why on earth would you think she's a waitress? Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, basically, there's some weird shit happening on some. I'm, I'm confused by this as well because the, the film, again, is, is really modelled in its storytelling because we hear that Thor keeps disappearing every night from Asgard. Now, the fact that it's every night, I thought he was going back to do Jane every night. Basically, he was. His heart is with Earth. I don't mean it in even a salacious way. His heart's with Earth. So he goes and basically spends evenings with her, right? That's what I thought. Then she's on a date. So what they meant was like Batman style. He was like popping out at night to fight crime on Earth. Does Oh, it's fucking bollock storytelling. It really is. But what what is it Darcy goes to say? She's, she basically goes to take her off to see these weird readings they found on, the, yeah. on, that, on that plot device they're carrying. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we find out that Darcy's got an intern. It, it's the closest this series has ever come to Star Trek's tricorder. You know in Star Trek where they just hold it up and it just tells them everything. It tells you everything yeah. just have the lights on it. It's, well, it's exactly like Ghostbusters that. with the uh, PKE reading. It's like, oh... It can even tell you of the existence of phenomena you've never heard of. <laughs> That's a really, you know, impressive piece of kit they've got. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Being well-funded along with their apartment in central London with a balcony. They have, like, uh, the best job ever. I'm sure even real scientists don't have that level of funding. Yeah. It's a bit like Superman the movie where a lowly fucking journalist has a big penthouse apartment in, you know, in New York. <laughs> um, so they go down to this they go and see. They go to see this abandoned factory, don't they? Yeah. And there's like, what is there? Like a lorry floating or something? A truck? Basically. Yeah, there's a truck in there floating on its side. And they yeah. find this kind of weird kind of portal. Where they like yeah, throw like stuff you drop something through yeah. it, and then it disappears and appears above you. And uh, so yeah, there's a bit of that, and then and then they they try throwing the keys and they don't come back. Um. So you have yeah. that, and then so while Jane sort of while picking up goes wandering, and then gets like basically sucked into the ether 
or basically where the ether is, and ether sort of like gets like inside her. I hate it when that happens. So annoying, isn't it? No, it's, was that a wolf whistle then, Becca? <laughs> uh, at the idea of inside her, was that what it was? <laughs> I'm tired. No, you're not. You're My brain's gone a bit. Thoughts. You're thinking dirty thoughts about things inside. Natalie Foreman. <laughs> dirty thoughts about Chris Hemsworth. More, more like it. Ah, that's just that's just deflection. You're... I mean, oh, here's, here's another thing that's wrong with the film. Um, right, this what what exactly is the effort and what does it do? We're told that uh, it's deadly to her, like you know, over a prolonged amount of time, you know, but. We not we don't see any of that. It's just it's just a thing like okay, well it can't be within a too long, but we don't see any side effects. It doesn't really affect her in any meaningful it's like way. Like extremis, it's in her. It's in her, and it will be a problem when it needs to be a problem. But it's, it doesn't even come out to be a problem. It's just like it's it just like doesn't at all. It just makes her. It, all it does is makes her target for Malkith. Yeah. All midway through the film. Yeah, it's... yeah. Not only that, but the other thing is, uh, Heimdall tells Thor that like he can no longer see Jane. Mm. So Thor heads straight to Earth and basically lands right beside her. <laughs> it's like well, that was tough, wasn't it? He finds her rather quickly. Put it that mm. way. It's uh, like well, I can't see what the problem was in the first place. I mean, what what does he know about Jane Foster that we don't know? That when he can't find her, he thinks, <laughs> "I'll look in some abandoned car parks." I, I think, don't know. I think, no, I think the reason why he can't find is where she's in the ether, but that she comes back in into Earth, so that's how he knows where she is. Okay, fair enough. Because uh, you know, we don't, we don't see for the side go. Well, send me down there. It's just like we, we, we're the other thing is right <clears throat> in in the uh, in the original film they were like trying to protect the um, tesseract and sort yeah. of was it tesseract and failed, and in this one they put the ether beyond you know harm. And no, no, they didn't. Basically, don't give the Asgardians like Infinity Stones because they're fucking rubbish with them. They end up like you know gambling them and stuff and fucking playing you know leaving it with shifty guys. Yeah, like, and you, you know can't... fucking juggling with them, party games. No, they're <laughs> shit. Um, so he takes her back to Asgard because she's obviously got this thing inside her, Becca. Mm. Inside her. Yeah. Uh, and Odin's delighted to see her. Yeah, what what's he called? He compares her to a goat. Oh, I don't know. It's like pets, yeah, I think. Yeah. And he yeah. You know, wants basically Odin wants to do Jamie Alexander, and he's hoping to get some reflected glory through his son doing her. <laughs> I think. I think that's what it is because he's obsessed. Go on, do her instead. Yeah, she lives I'm ages fine. and will stay fit. And I'll, I'll um, stay and get sloppy seconds. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Now Malekith is awakened by this ether being like reactivated. Yeah. He's in his Doctor um, Evil. This uh, is great story to. I know. I know. I thought of that as well. Uh, yeah, I thought the same. Really, to be honest, <laughs> it's Doctor <laughs> Evil. <laughs> if only he'd had like a hairless cat. Because he's in a proper spaceship <laughs> as well. I mean, that's the thing. He is in a. He's, he's in a proper spaceship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they've been resting like this whole time, like you know. This is shit storytelling. So they then go and attack Asgard, looking for this ether, mm. and he, and he can sense it as well. It must smell of something. 
Fucking rubbish. I mean, well, um, we haven't talked about Loki. I mean, Loki's been like obviously been imprisoned, hasn't he? So there's there's been yeah. things that things like that in. Um, uh, He's great. That that shot of him sat sort of shattered yeah. in his cell. We, we, it is we, actually was in all the trailers. Yeah, we we established the fact that you know he, he le- he's learned his tricks from his mum, so he's like okay, well he's he's got more of attachment to his mother, um, and then what else do we know? We, we basically it's when his henchman becomes Mister Rockman, and we don't you know don't even see we we put some a helmet on and and then like he gets kind of like. On purposely captured, so he's like gets to infiltrate inside Asgard. Oh fucking hell! There's no, there's a there's a nice fresh plot. It's device. a labyrinthine plot going on right there, isn't it? Well, there's, we've seen this in how many films? Hmm. Yes, it's oh, not really it's... original. Okay, so uh, what then? So yeah, they basically start breaking everybody out and causing all sorts of problems. And... Basically, have a, basically have an action scene. You have uh, Idris Elba sort of like Spidey sense, like spa- like invisible spaceships going past him, which yeah. is kind of cool. But then it's like, oh, there's this, this shitloads of them. I can't like stop all. Of that's where you. That's where you see the join in the Bifrost. Yeah, mm. very notices that. Then what? We we end up with uh, Thor's mother Frigga being killed. Trying to protect Yeah, we have a big big battle. She protects Jane and is You've got a couple of big shake-ups, haven't we? You've got Frigga dying and Loki dying, supposedly, so it's some really big shake-ups to to the cast. Not really. I don't think anyone really cared about... To to the family in this film. No, did anyone care about Frigga? Well, not really, but it's like, you know, you've got somebody like Rini Russo, you know... Shit, I loved her in Lethal Weapon 3! (laughs) It's just one of those things that they try to kind of ruffle, you know, ruffle some feathers. It's just to give stakes to the main characters. And again, they come very, very close to Thor howling up at the sky. Yeah, there's a moment where you could go, no! No! Yeah, one of those no moments, but no. Although there's a really cool shot where he sort of goes into battle. He leaps sort of backwards off the balcony. That's really cool. That's quite dynamic. I like that scene. Because uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston's actually on the commentary and he says, like, that's that's the coolest shot in the film. And I think he's yeah, right. Yeah, really, I really agree with him there. That it's the coolest shot in the film. Yeah. So, then what? <laughs> then what? Well, well they, they kill the... Jane's protected. <laughs> so they, they, yeah, they, 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 they get away, fun. yeah. Um... Or enlist Loki. And they head off to... I, I must admit, we do get into, <laughs> get, do get introduced to those cool grenade things. I do, I do actually quite like them. They, they're kind of like mini sort of black hole type things. They just kind of like... Oh, those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was one of the fir- first... First time you see that's one of the first effect shots they finished in the film. Yeah. And, and it's a cool effect. It really is. It's it's very sort of uh, Star Trek 2009. The sort of, you know, on a, bit, on a smaller scale, like yeah. the sort of almost black hole at the centre of something. Yeah, um, it's a pretty cool effect. It's okay. Uh, so yeah, they need to go and sort of lure Malekith out. Yes, yeah, so they go go against. Uh, they're they're his... trying to lure him away from As- Asgard as much mm. as anything else. Yeah, uh, and it's all we need re- to revenge, you know, our mother. And then what? Uh, so uh, Nifandel sort of gar- like sort of calls Odin as like a part of the distraction. And here's another thing, right? He- he just goes like, "All oh, right, well, I've committed treason. Um, I'm reporting treason. It, you know, I, I have." And then that's all we hear, hear from him. We don't know what's happened to him since. That's it for Idris Elba in this film. 
It's really, yeah. it's really weird. Yeah, as you blink and you miss him, I, I kind of feel bad. He's you don't blink, really but you know what I mean. It's just like there's no. A lot, a lot of his film is, it, a lot of his performance in this film is probably on the cutting room floor. You know. Like, I think a lot things. of his films on the court of the cutting room floor, yeah, because it's 112 minutes and it's thin as hell. Mm. We're effectively in Act Three already. Mm. We are. I mean, they, 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 it's got an overlong Act Three, but this, this is effectively Act Three already. Mm. I mean, um, we have, yeah, we have like basically sort of like the, the rest of the Warriors Three and, and Sith. You break could, out, you could break out. You could, yeah, I mean, you could cut it down to just the London stuff, but structurally, I think yeah. we're pretty much in the final third of the film. Well, you think this should be kind of like as the film's just getting on. You got like Loki. Basically, the film's setting up like a whole. Uh, for Loki, like buddy double acts thing, as they go on an yeah. adventure to say to, to to protect Jane or whatever, you know that it it should be that that kind of thing, and there is that enjoyable element to to it, especially when he like, pretends to be Cap and things like that, and so there, so there that's was, really cool. Yeah, that's a good scene. So so there is stuff going Again, on that there. Got, that's kind of that, fun. that got a that got a loud laugh at the cinema, and when he found himself in Jamie Alexander's body yeah. as well, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, that all got big laughs at the cinema. This film isn't, you know, it's got some some humorous moments in it. But think how far through the film we are now, and how little we've had to say. I mean, look, it is enjoyable. I mean, I I even joined the stuff with um, uh, Stan Skarsgård. I can't say his name. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, when they find him, he's basically gone a bit mental after yeah. the whole sort of Avengers stuff, and he's running around um, Stonehenge naked. Now Stonehenge <laughs> isn't a million miles away from where Becca lives. It's uh, it's it's a reasonable distance from London, uh, in British terms anyway. Bear in mind Brits travel ten miles and think it's like hell of a distance, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, but it, it is a reasonable distance from London. You wouldn't likely just pop there very often. No, you'd have, yeah, you'd probably stay uh, yeah, nearby. Uh, yeah, um, and he's running around it. You can't actually get that close to it in reality but um, no, they only open up i think this year is a sort of an, an anniversary um anniversary year which you can probably you can go inside the stones stonehenge well, not... was 12 this year folks <laughs> well no but it's, 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 it's celebrating an, an event this weekend i'm round, um, I'm round it, it, is spinal tap playing i hope they are <laughs> they'll turn it up to 11 yeah. no so. it's in the film they try and get like a stonehenge on stage but they they get inches and feet mixed up it's so very they small get, they get this tiny thing with you know dwarfs but seriously, if you're listening and I, I can, having lived not too far away from it, I've been there a few times. Um, I can highly recommend a trip to Stonehenge. Um, unless you come down for like the summer or winter solstice, you can't actually get inside the stone circle. Um, you can't get to feed up the stones. But so otherwise, we recommend, I highly recommend it. Come to England, travel well out of London, head towards Stonehenge, park up and stand several metres away from some stones. <laughs> but you get to go around it. There's a nice audio tour. It's really interesting. And, and um, here's the other side of the stones. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the top side of the stones. But no, the landscape itself is quite interesting as well. You get to learn and now to your west, you'll see the stones. Barrows. I really can't... I honestly can't see the attraction. Apart from that, how did they do that element to it? It's like, so what? It yeah, really is. It's mind blowing, really interesting. But no, yeah, if you're you interested could, in like, yeah, honestly, like history and, and geography and geology, and see that. of all the of all the things to see in this country, it would not be high up my list. There, there are more interesting things to see. To be to be fair, um, it's a little bit overrated. But as I say, if you're really interested in like ancient history, um, geography, geology, 
um, astrology, things like that. Um, yeah, you know, Spiritual it's worth seeing. Just as well, there's lots of yeah, like, that's quite interesting about. as well. Um, but it's it's very niche, to be fair. Um, alternative, you can come to Avebury, also in Wiltshire, um, and see the stone circle there. For you know, you can actually get in there, walk amongst it, do a bit of tree hugging. It's very nice. Um, or visit other National Trust and English Heritage properties. British trees give the best cuddles. They do. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's how exciting okay. Thor the Dark World is. We've just talked about inanimate stones for five minutes. Uh, but he's in it. <laughs> well, I, his... I just enjoyed the gag where he like, like, gives someone a hug and it reveals he hasn't got his trousers on. Yeah, he's in a he's in an institution when they find him. They've got to get him out of there. Uh, that's Stan Lee's cameo in there. Can I have my shoes back? Yeah, that's great. That's good. That's good. He's yeah. trying to explain the convergence with uh, with with shoes. Now, I think there's an element of because the infi- he's been infected affected by an Infinity Stone, he's got mm. like a deeper sight. So I never had a problem that like he seems to get this at all. Yeah. And the film is is for such a minor character. I think the film is that much stronger when he's on screen. Actually. I think all any anything he's in, and it's a relatively small part of the film I like, and it reminded me of the stuff in the first film I did like. Whenever we're on that little science group, which is three in the first film, and it's four of them in this one because of Darcy's intern, I like all that. Yeah. I, I, I really, I've, I've, as I say, that meta-knowledge that Natalie Portman never really wanted to be here um, kind of affects my view of, of her. But as a group, I quite like them. And yeah. I, I do like this whole, he's completely lost his shit and he's running around at Stonehenge. That That is funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so where are we in the actual film now? Oh, yeah, so... We're at the Loki Thor uh, road movie, which is going to last about two and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, fair play, it doesn't mess around, but at the same time, like, really? We've just gone straight from here to like, oh, well... They just basically run straight into Malekith, or they go straight to yeah. wherever he is, and then, and they do the whole oh oh no Loki's betrayed for already and he's cut his arm off. Yeah. Uh oh no he's cut his arm off. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a big Star Wars thing in this film because a lot of actors. Um, a lot of characters lose I don't their think arm. that was Chris's reference there. Yeah. No, I know, but I just suddenly thought, obviously, like, um, Thor loses an arm. Um, Malika's losing an arm. As, you know, there's a lot of characters losing an arm in this film, so it's meant to be kind of like the Empire Strikes Back, I guess, of, of, of the series. I don't know. That's a fun fact, y'all. Yeah, although it's more the spy who shagged me, but... Um, it is, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is um, pretty much... No, the, the kind of way they finish Malekith at the end, is it's got a lot of but it uses the portals and stuff, but yeah, um, which is again a little. There's a little bit of that Infinity War as well, but um, yeah. So um, what else? So uh, yeah. So uh, Loki. It turns out Loki is all big like trick to to get the ether out of out of uh, Jane. Yeah, uh, that, that was the, that was the plan to sort of yeah, um, which isn't a bad him. plan, but because. Uh, but then I, I do wonder. Well, how how did Malekith get that out of such ease that no one else could? What is yeah, it? Bear about... in mind, they, they, they've never met this guy, so basically, either their father or their grandfather has told very vivid stories that they completely understand his skill set. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, well, he would just stand there and draw it out, piece of piss. Oh, all right, brilliant. But why can't no one else do that? How come it's only him, he can do that? Yeah, particularly that, I mean, this has sort of been replaced by Wakanda now, but this is like, this is like the most technologically advanced, if you like. Mm. And they've got all these specialist doctors on, on her and all the rest of it when she's in Asgard, one of whom was the Borg Queen, Alice Krieger. Yeah, yeah. You know, and all these like displays that are way beyond our technology. And they, they didn't have a clue. Um, or they, they couldn't get it out of her and it's, it's like she's going to die. And it's all placed in the DNA and things like that. It's all right. The ninth doctor can just stand in front of her and go like, "Come on then." Go, come on then. Ah, bit of that. I think because casting somebody like Alice Krieger as well, you don't see. Well, you see see a bit of her, but you don't see like that much of her. It's the same, you know, similar to um, Idris Elba's kind of role. It's not blinking you miss, but you kind of spend a few moments, and that's it. She's gone again. It's like, oh, come on, why why bother casting somebody like Alice Krieger? I know she wasn't the superstar, but she's been in bigger roles than that. Well, exactly, but she, you know, she's well-known for these I kind of roles. Well, it's why another one why do we not spend more time with her? It, well, I'm not that worried about spending more time with her, but it does make me think, what if they cut? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, she has had small roles in films before. I'm trying to think now. There are, there are films I've seen her in where, she, you know, she appears and then uh, not that long later she's gone. And it's like, oh, I thought she was going to have a bigger role than that. I'm trying to think of the example. There was an example where she was in a film quite early on and then was suddenly gone. And it really, really took me by surprise. I can't remember what film that was now off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's not a superstar, but she's just big enough that you think there must have been. I think it might have been Rain of Fire. Looking at her filmography now, there was a film she was in like early on, and that was it. I think it's Reign of Fire. She's killed quite early in that. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, Reign of Fire is like only five or six years after First Contact. So uh, I was a little bit like, okay, I thought she was going to be a main character. But um, it, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, yeah, so they, 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 yeah, so they basically get the ether out of her. Uh, and then four is... attempts to destroy it while like mid, midway. Um, yeah. But it doesn't actually work. It just kind of explodes. Then regathers. And then it 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 enters into uh, Malakith. Yeah. And still like oh crap what to do now so they 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 have a fight but um, Loki gets killed but not before detonate one of them grenades on the the main henchman. And and Chris Hemsworth again very nearly looks at the sky and goes no, yeah. but not quite. This film is really skirting with like don't do that, please don't do that. All right, it is it's a bit. Um, and they 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 spot like a another portal, don't they? Because suddenly she's talking to London. She's talking to Chris O'Dowd. Yes, who's um, basically uh, late at the office doing some printing. Yeah, some printing, don't you know? Looking, looking for a second date while she's stood right next to hunky Chris Hemsworth. Um, <laughs> not likely, mate. Um, yeah, but he could get he could get a date with her on the two ticks disability scheme because he's disabled. <laughs> uh, also, listeners, if you've not seen the IT crowd, we recommend watching it. Uh, it's streaming now on various sites, and then you'll get the "I'm disabled" reference. It's first season, first episode of the second series. That yeah. is, uh, same guy who wrote Father Ted, which is one of the funniest sitcoms. Genius. And Black Books. Uh, he didn't write. Much. I don't think he wrote Black Books. No, but he was involved in there somewhere. 
Well, he appeared in an episode. He may have co-written <laughs> How many chips somewhere. do you want? He wasn't, How many major, chips do you want? he wasn't a major... He wasn't as major a, a part of that at all. No, but, but Father Ted, two, for sure. His two biggest things are that of Father Ted and the IT, yeah, so which had Chris O'Dowd in it as a main character. So, yeah, they're talking to London, so obviously there's a link from there to London. Mm. And then they find the car keys, and they go, oh, well, there's actually a portal. And they actually yeah. get in there. Um, get. Well, that's handy. Yeah, and they get sort of like, oh, just pop in there. So in the London, so they drive, they uh, drive off in a the broken off broken car, which I like that attention yeah. to detail, like a stranded car that's just been vandalised overnight, yeah. um, and just like four just like sitting in a broken down car, um, <laughs> and then he sort of go back to the nice swanky London flat. Yeah, and he puts his thought, he puts his hammer on a sort of coat rack, yeah. which I always thought was quite fun. Yeah. Nice little touch. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's nice, isn't it? He tries to do it very politely. Apparently, that was um, like done spontaneously as well. It wasn't written in the script or anything like that. Yeah, no, I can cool. believe that. Fun fact. I can believe that. I always think they have a good time making these films, generally speaking. But um, yeah, I, 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 it, it, it all looks it very did. odd. Thor in like a London flat, but there you go. It, it is what it is. It's okay. Um. And then what? It's basically a big sort of battle across London and all other ports, other parts of the. Well, do you, we get a bit of like you know, the, you know? I think uh, Selvig actually figured out how to actually use like the different types of portals. Well, yeah, what's that's going right, on. Because Darcy's holding this thing that opens, seems to open and mm. close them, which um, is hand. And yeah, then do we just basically get to like the the big secrets of London where Malachif arrives? Yeah, basically, some kind of nice visuals in this, and it was quite see Thor on the tube and things like that. Well, that. That all kind of like worked from a humor perspective. Only really works on one watch though, because on rewatch this all looks really odd and incongruous. What the fuck is Thor doing there? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this stuff on first viewing. Mm. You know, there's particularly the stuff between Kat Dennings and her um, intern and stuff. There's mm. some good humour there and stuff that he's saying. Yeah, she's it's actually, she's actually really good presence in this. I think, you know... Yeah, you thing. know, then the hammer comes around. It's Thor, this, and then meow, meow. Cause, meow, yeah. meow. <laughs> I can't pronounce my all, all of that got a big laugh on first viewing anyway. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed all that to start with. But none of the action's wildly thrilling. And it's probably because it is skitting around. Mm. too much it, it isn't focusing on anything it's just it's all based around portals and not much around most of the ingenuity is actually coming from darcy mm. she's actually opening and closing portals um and thor is um got his sort of hands full with malekith but we're not really seeing very much well so that's another thing it's like okay what does this power actually give malekith other than the power to like to align portals, but then... Well, they were aligning anyway. He's got a window in which he's got to, like, do whatever he needs. And somehow, which is the I worst love... word... Somehow. Comes... It's somehow. one of the worst words. It, one of the worst words when it comes to, like, talking about a film, somehow. Somehow, he has but to do it. somehow, the ether will help him, at the point of convergence, take control of it all. But it, you know, it's only one sixth of the of the um, Infinity Stones anyway, so I'm really not sure. But something about it is he has to have the ether at the point where these converge. Mm. But fortunately, he was woken up within days of that convergence. Now, whether that was because of the ether, I don't really know. It's all a bit like well, that's Andy, isn't it? 
Oh, and it's in Greenwich as well, you know. How convenient. Mm. Home of time itself. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. Um, so, yeah, what can we really say about this? It's kind of funny, you know, and there's a bit where sort of a car gets thrown out the way and suddenly you see Darcy and her intern, mm. like, copping off with each other and stuff. That was, again, it was all kind of funny and it was all kind of a bit inventive mm. and we'd seen so many and again bear in mind we're another 18 months on from the avengers you know i don't know how many films by now we've seen maybe not that many but certainly in this period we had a lot of like blue beams pointing up at the sky kind of endings to films this was a little bit different and i kind of um i was grateful for that but when i rewatch it it's a very grey, misty London, by and large, um, and the action is not actually anywhere near as well shot as I thought it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it, but it has some good comedic touches. It, I actually think um, the director Alan Taylor would work better on a smaller budget. I think he could sell all this on a TV budget. In that, yeah, he made his name with things like Game of Thrones. I was going to say he's done it on Game of Thrones already, hasn't he? I can see that, but give him endless—you know—give him comparatively endless money, and I don't think he's got the ingenuity. Well, I don't think the script's here. To be honest with you, no. Either. Yeah, I would say the script is probably more a fault. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's you know, it, it's a fine romp, but there's no establishment. There's no real connectivity with the, with the characters. I think it's the main mm. thing I'm most missing. It's like this film kind of made up for like the the lack of scale that the first four film had, but it hadn't had any of the heart or 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 character work, and that's really really missing here. Um, I mean, it, we don't really feel the loss for Loki. We don't really have much romance romance between the two leads. It's and you know. We've said enough about Malekith anyway, so it it it's just all a bit wanting. But it's enter- uh, for me, it was entertaining while it was on, so I didn't mind it so much. But I just wish it could have been more fleshed out. Uh, it's the only Marvel film I've never watched all the way through a second time until we got to this, and I've owned yeah. it. It's been sat in a collection. I mean, I think I sold it once and rebought it, but I don't think I ever watched this through a second time, and that was having enjoyed it. So clearly, on some sort of subliminal level, I sensed that there was nothing in it I, I needed to see again. And it's kind of similar for Ragnarok, I think. I mean, we'll get to it, but I I think it's a similar sort of thing. I think for Ragnarok is a better film, more entertaining film, a lot of funnier film. But it's but, really thin. There's nothing there. Yeah, I think, it, again, it's like, well, there's no emotional weight to it. No. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is just an excuse for them all to get together and have a good time. Yeah. And it, uh, and it's good. I think I'm going to be quite positive to it's it. It's an excuse for him to cut his hair. But, but it's it a similar problem to what this film has, really. It's like, well, there's no... Well, it was another one of those where um, it was time for a Thor film, and what they've put together in Ragnarok is really enjoyable, but it's another one of those where a, Thor, a Marvel film comes out and it's acclaimed as oh. one of the very best. Mm. That's died away around Ragnarok now, but it's certainly when it came out less than a year ago, it was like, oh, what fantastic! One of the best films, and I could never see it. It was funny, it was enjoyable, it was well, it was well made. Mm. I liked it, but it was thin as fuck. I didn't care. The story was nothing, neither here nor there, but it was enjoyable. It was a better film than this, no, no question. But I think that's been true of kind of all the Thor films. They've been all right. They've all had a good line of humour in them. It's got a very charming leading man in it. It's got a very charming second leading man in it. Um, they've all been, they've all been enjoyable enough, but. 
I have now realigned my view, and this is the weakest of the three. Thor Ragnarok rewatch pending, of course, because I've only seen that once. Mm, I'd be inclined to agree, but yeah, I need to rewatch Ragnarok. Um, so yeah, but when I'm I actually finished like with, OTT, so I'm looking yeah. forward to it. When I actually finished with this amazing plot yet? No. <laughs> uh, should we just cut to Thor wins? <laughs> well, it's it's basically like they Loki's fight. In prison, Thor uh, wins the end. Don't they? Uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, there you go. He sort of he gets attached to his spaceship and he he crash lands and that and that's it. Crash Bang Waller. Yeah. Uh, and then what a video! <laughs> crash Bang Waller, what a video! <laughs> and um, amazing on sale with Boob Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, they'd be basically sort of, you know, for essentially back back, back with Odin, sort of saying. Or we think it's Odin. Well, yeah, well, he gets revealed after, but that he's um, he's saying he wants to be on Earth, essentially, and he's like, oh well. He's offered the throne. Yeah. And he goes, no, I don't want it. Fuck off, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Actually, and... once you realise it's Loki, Loki's actually saying some very nice things to his brother there. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's, actually, that's... considering we don't know that he's being very underhanded, he's actually being quite generous. Yeah, but I think it's that's generally heartfelt as well. I mean, that's another thing about the we don't you know that, that's kind of isn't very well done here. But it, it, I think it is with the, with the character like you can actually tell that he actually means that it's like a really heartfelt thing. But he, Thor doesn't realise that it's not coming from his father; it's coming from his brother. So he walks off thinking, oh, well, you made my father proud. And, you know, Loki's there going, ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Interesting as mustache. We'd all be great villains. With your pantomime moustache. What basically flash art? Ha, 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 ha. It's a little bit like that. Ha, 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 ha. Ho, ho, ho. Well, Becca's Becca can't only do a great laugh. She's got a range. You could hear a, <laughs> a number of tremendous laughs there. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That's the end of the bloody film, which was thrilling. Uh, the only thing I forgot to say at the very start of the film, of course, is this is the very first um, Marvel film that didn't have the Paramount logo on it. So it was the first one with the new... Par- mm. It was the first one only to have a Marvel logo. Still and had it was the, the, first uh, one the flipping the new... box as well, didn't it? Think... Yeah, but it was the new music, which was written by Brian Tyler, who wrote the score for this film. And it was, you know, it's basically Thor's music. Uh, used mm-hmm. uh, it was used as the Marvel uh, theme for until Phase Three, basically. Yeah. When they brought in the new logo, which I don't actually like as much. I think I preferred the flipping book. But um, uh, that sounds like we... being rude there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> for the flipping book. The flipping the flipping book. Um, <laughs> So what do we have? Uh, Sif and one of the Warriors Three, I can't remember which one, visit the Collector to give him the ether, and they say, you know, with a load of um, exposition that the Tesseract's already in Asgard, so mm-hmm. we don't want two close together. So we we're reminded that's two of the Infinity Stones folk. We've actually seen three because uh, there was one in Loki's staff, but I don't think much was made of that at the time. But we realise afterwards, the Collector says, you know, one down, five to go. Uh, and then the post-credit scheme uh, scene is Thor um, arriving on Jane's expensive balcony, and uh, you know, giving her one or something. Giving a good old ruddy kiss. 
Yeah, good old ready kit. Yes. So, a very good... I hope the Bifrost doesn't burn any like expensive fuel that goes on the Asgard budget, because he's misusing resources then, if that's the case. Um, and that's it, really, isn't it? There's, there's some sort of you know monster loose in London, but that's just a little joke. And that's the end of the film. Yes, the monster that was loose... So yeah. survives to the end of the um, end of the credits. So yeah, as for me with final thoughts, I'm, I just haven't got a lot to add. I've said it all. This this is now, I think, the worst Marvel film. I would respect anyone that doesn't put it bottom because nothing about it is that terrible. It's just very flat, very thin. Really, one of the things it does do really badly is Malekith is just terribly realised. I don't know the comic book version of the character, but I can't believe they intended this. It doesn't fit with the Marvel tone. Um, he's not given enough sort of clarity of purpose. Um, he's just introduced as is, and it's like, well, there's this guy, and he wants this, and that's sort. Of, we never really find out much about him. He's very still and stilted, and it's just there's no. It's it's all it's all being taken a bit too seriously. Um, and yeah, so it, this is uh, this has been a, a disappointing surprise for me um, because I was ready in the weeks leading up to this to go against the grain you know that most people listening will probably rank thor the dark world as one of the weak, weakest marvel films if not the weakest yeah. and i was getting ready to re-watch and be sitting here saying it's not that bad and this is why and uh yeah i've been schooled it's that bad it, it is in marvel terms uh and com- compared to some of the other series we've covered and will cover in the future marvel's worst is not that bad Thor the Dark World isn't that bad, but compared to everything else we're going to cover and have covered, yes, it is that bad. So, yeah, that's it for me. Really disappointed. Becca? Yeah, mixed bag, really. Um, I, do, I was quite looking forward to external this, and then I was like, oh, he's disappeared under a mound of makeup. Um, but yeah, I think considering Thor was like the one that I was probably least familiar with, um, as I say, I won't, when it comes to ranking, I won't rank this right at the very bottom because that's not where it belongs. But somewhere in the middle, I think, um, it has really great potential, but it just like falls falls flat on a bit of a rough script, unfortunately. But as I say, comedy six quite high, um, romance very quite high. Um, some of the um, like Cat Dennings is really funny. Um, some of like the secondary characters in the film really come to the fore um, and actually do have a lot of agency in this film. They kind of drive what little plot there is drive it forward um but yeah it just gets a bit muddy really and a bit mixed up um and yeah could could do better on the score report there could do better yeah i mean for me i mean i've, I've already said it really but it, you know it it looks nice i, I enjoy uh, most of the cast um it it's an easy watch but albeit forgettable one and just really it it has no Real substance to it, and when you dissect it, you know it isn't particularly well structured. So, um, in a way, disappointing. But you know what? I can think of worse things to watch. So it's absolutely, and yeah. I would watch it again without. It's not one of those I'd get furious about. Yeah. Marvel really haven't produced any of that. I mean, Iron Man Two is probably the closest part of me thinks Iron Man Two um, belongs at the bottom purely because I think they kind of they almost misuse their power. They've suddenly got the budget and the opportunity to build this universe, and they spend a film promoting the next film. And I, I just thought, I thought that was an abuse of a really great character as well, because the drop to Iron Man two was so huge. Whereas the drop from Thor to this isn't as great. Mm. What shocks me is this is worse than Thor. 
and I actually remember this being better than the first Thor film. So when I say it's flat bottom, it's still fighting it out with two other films, actually. But as it's fresh, and I'm disappointed by it now, it's provisionally kind of at the bottom. It might rise a place or two, but no more than that. It's I think it's going to be in the bottom three. Level-heading, bottom three. But you know what might mm. save being the bottom three? I think some knowledge, Chris. I think the problem is, quite often, we, we poo-poo things and almost dismiss them out of complete ignorance. Yeah. I think that if if we could just educate people, sometimes they could give people a, give things a fuller appreciation. But you know what also helps with education? We imply... I think you've got to try and make it fun for people. Yes. I think that's the important thing. So really, what we're looking for is something that's factual and fun. I don't know how we can achieve that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I shall do my best. But yeah, we've already, I think, to get through this interminable podcast. Um, so, yeah... <laughs> No, um, it's not interminable. It's it's very lovely, and I do enjoy podcasting with you too. Um, yes, fun facts about the film: um, there are thirty mirror mirrors or mirrors constructed for this film. Um, thirty meow meows. Thirty meow meows. Very meow meow. Um, but the one that we see on screen is ten percent bigger than the one you saw in the last Thor movie. So you get ten percent more Mjolnir, which is very cool. Um, uh, another fun fact is that a total of 47 dark elves were made up by the makeup and effects crew of this film. Um, took them over three months to make, um, obviously by CGI, which is very, very cool. Um, and the director stipulated that their eyes should be bigger to make them creepier. So I think that's pretty cool. Obviously, Exton is in this film. Um, this film features two of six Doctor Who stars to feature in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Obviously, Crystal Accident, Tony Curran, Karen Gillan, Peter Serafinowicz, Toby Jones, Jenna Cole, and Eva. So let's break that down then. Uh, who are the two in this one? Eccleston and? Tony Curran is the other one, but he had a big part as one of the elves. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Is, is I, the I, main knew which one, so. I knew which one Jenna Coleman was in, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Karen Gillan is obviously. I'm just Karen Gillan is obviously in Nebula. Yeah. A piece yeah. of has been as like a voice actor as well. I, I'd love you know. him to just narrate it and finish it. <laughs> We've got to go now because I'm literally drenched in jism, just like <laughs> he did on Little Britain or something. Yeah. Oh, so funny. So funny. <laughs> he could just narrate everything. I'd easily listen to it. If he, if he narrated the phone book, I would be listening. Oh, yes, no, we we're mentioning how, mentioning how nice Asgard looked. Um, production designer Charles Wood studied Byzantine Romanesque gothic architecture to bring Asgard to life. But I think you can see a lot of the um, like when there's a kind of always a typical sweeping shot um, through through the realm, um, and you can definitely see the influences there. I think. Not um, so fun fact: this is obviously the last film by Don Payne, who sadly passed away from bone cancer um, before the film was released. Not a very fun fact. Um, and one thing we, I do think we didn't. Discussed too much. So you're saying um, this film killed him? I, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> <laughs> he was very poorly with it and sadly passed away before the film was released. Um, yeah, we didn't really mention too much about, about Loki being in prison as well. Um, another fun fact that I have is like, if, if you look at he, he has basically two looks for this film. 
Um, one is kind of quite smooth and all together. And obviously when you see him in prison, he's literally just in rags and his hair is really tatty. And he's been literally pulling at his, his robes, pulling at his costume. It's basically like an, an outward embodiment of like the self-hatred that he has. Unfortunately, he's kind of like crumbling from within. So everything else is like, it just looks really tatty. Um, and he's just been pulling at it and it's kind of really distressed. Which is quite interesting. And then obviously we see him right at the end of the film. He's like, oh, no, thank you. Um, so I think that's a very stark contrast there. And that's my rather rambling facts about <laughs> the dark I, world. I have another fun fact. That was oh, kind of highly criticised at the time. Um, the uh, it, it wasn't the original director. Who was it? Um, it was Patty Jenkins who was originally going to do oh, it. Oh yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Patty Woman. Jenkins was hired, and they left because of creative differences. And she went on to re- to make a much better film than this. Yeah. And, I, and I think, given from what I know, she what she wanted to do, she wanted to do a lot more like a Romeo Juliet type thing, where it was like. Paul wanted to sort of go be with Jane, but he was kind of like forbidden, so he had to actually. So he kind of like, he he went he went down to earth to kind of like right, well, sod you then to Odin, and kind of cut himself off. But then they he finds Malekith doing his doing his stuff like doing his bird. Sorry, <laughs> you know, like Malekith with the with Subali with the same plot, with the same plot device. So he probably had to go. Oh shit! I've got to one Asgard, even though I pissed off my dad. So I reckon right. it would have been something like that, which sounds actually a lot better. I would have preferred more of like a focus on the romance between it, um, Thor and Jane. And, and well, I've got very, I've got very little to go on, but <clears throat> Alan Taylor on the big screen made this followed by Terminator Genesis. This isn't a particularly good film. Terminator Genesis is fucking horrific, and like I say, I'll talk about that at length on a podcast in a couple of years' time because I will totally fucking monster that film um, at length. Because uh, it's one of the worst big budget films I've ever seen from a series that was very smart sci-fi when it started. Uh, I can take stupidity when it's Transformers. I can't take stupidity when it's the two, the Terminator series. Patty Patty Jenkins made Wonder Woman, which I really like. That's don't like film. its third. Don't like its third act much, but two acts of a great film. Bit like Iron Man. So she's made something almost like Iron Man standard against this guy who's made this and Terminator Genesis. So. I, I almost don't care what her ideas were on, on paper. I tend to think, well, on the evidence of what I've seen, she'd have made a better film. Yeah. But Marvel don't get a lot wrong, so maybe they just weren't a good fit for each other. You just don't know. Yeah, you know, you can't make an omelet about breaking eggs, can you? So. Oh, yeah. That's probably why my omelets taste really fucking shit and crunchy. Now. <laughs> full of, full of shells. And milk, just just basically milk with eggs, solid eggs in it. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, any other fun facts? Please, something fun. Because <laughs> honestly, I was I, apart, I apart, apart from apart from Mark Kiffney played by uh, Maz, Maz Mickelson and um, was nearly... that would have been that would have been better. But I mean, he's not a magician. There's only so much you can do with the character. Well, he did go to play a magician in uh, in Doctor Strange. Of course, ah, yeah, pops up and, and, and got wasted in that film as well. So. Well, exactly, you know, I, I, you know, he didn't. Well, I, I need to rewatch Doctor Strange. There's a handful of the films I've only seen what once or twice at most, and mm. Doctor Strange is one of those where I went to see it at the cinema, wasn't sure about it. I bought it on home release, and it sort of sat on a pile and never quite got watched again. And I've seen bits and pieces, 
so my memory of Doctor Strange isn't very good, but I'm, I might really enjoy it on rewatch. I, this is again proof that I do watch things fresh because I, I, like I say, I came in expecting to go against the grain and say no, it belongs somewhere in the middle. You're all wrong, and and actually no, I, I, I think no, public opinion on this film is actually right as far as I'm concerned. No, but Marvel that. don't make anything disastrous. You know, they when they make when they make bad, they make disappointing. That's yeah. all. You know, there's worse series than making disappointing. DC would DC would kill for just disappointing. The benefit of doing like two or three a year is also it's like, well, don't matter. I got another one in a in a few months. So yeah. The, the... No, I think we should. I think we should wait fucking four and a half years and then have <laughs> really over serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems to work because we don't want kids liking this stuff. <laughs> Why would we want a new generation of can? I, I want the series to die with me. <coughs> Coming soon, me and Chris will chat about the new Bond film, probably. More on that in a moment. Isn't, yeah, I think you just need to kind of sell it now or pass it on to somebody who's going to do uh, do good things with it. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I said on balance, I thought Phase 2 was better than Phase 1. And I still stand by that. It's not off to the strongest start, but it took a bit of a risk in Iron Man 3 by doing something a little different. This is okay. I mean, it, it's kind of similar to the, the weaker parts of Phase 1. Uh, but what what's coming is really impressive. The year 2014, Marvel really, really grew up as a studio. Uh, and we've got that to come, thankfully. So anyway, social media, folks. Uh, you can find me at Simtrox on Twitter, even though I... I practically don't tweet anymore, but there you are. Uh, you can but find the back catalogue of wisdom. Uh, you'll if you go for my back catalogue of tweets, you'll just find a bunch of useless shit. Um, <laughs> but you can also, useful information. Well, you can find uh, all all old episodes at uh, the website uh, uk. Yeah, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six. I do tweet still. Uh, but I, I can promise you my Twitter account is as tonally confused as this podcast. You're always on the ball with your tweets, Dave, so don't need to worry. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. You can also follow us under the same moniker on Facebook. Um, type in YouTube and you search for us on YouTube and... Oh, bloody hell. Facebook head and over, YouTube, yeah. we've got... We've head got, over to YouTube and type in Do You Expect Us To Talk? Yeah. We've, got, we've got custom URLs on both, so facebook.com forward slash expect us to talk is, is that address. Never, I'm not quite sure what it is on YouTube. I can't remember if it's... it's you have to type in Do You Expect Us To Talk? But yeah, but yeah, it, when, when it actually comes to our channel, it is a custom URL. And if you want to email us, you can. Expect us to talk at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Cinematronics website, cinematronics.co.uk, iTunes and Stitcher. Super. I mean, not on Tinder or Snapchat or um, or any of the other ones, any of the other popular platforms that we're yes. not on. Uh, although, in a few years' time, we may be on platform nine and three quarters. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Should we ever get there? Yeah, we will. We will. Um, yeah, so there's going to be a little bit of a gap now, folks. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to be, but on paper, if we release. If we release this, this hang on, let me look. We'll get we'll get this turned around quickly. We'll try and get this one out on time. So this will come out on or after the weekend of the twenty second and twenty third. 
Uh, but we're recording right up against that weekend. So it may be just after, depending on when Chris can put it live. So there's going to be an episode going live somewhere between the 23rd and maybe 25th, whatever, whenever he can put this up. Uh, and then we're not recording again on paper. It may be a bit quicker than this, but we're not recording again till the 7th of October. And we put them out uh, one week after we record them, which means you're not going to get an episode for one, two, three weeks, folks, just under. What Chris and I are talking about doing is maybe doing a Cinematronics episode or two to pick up the slack. So um, we're certainly talking about, I think, as, I, as I'm about to say on air, we'll probably do it. We'll certainly have some part of an episode where we discuss uh, a little bit about what's been going on with Bond recently. We've hinted at it tonight, but we'll talk about some of the decisions there and Danny Boyle and everything that's happened in that series lately. And I think Chris is just going to go away and think about what other content we might want to put in. But yeah, no show now until the weekend of probably the 13th and 14th of October. Sorry to say. That's my fault. Sorry for that. Oh, yeah, it's because she saw how well Chris did moving to stay one step ahead of the fence. I thought I'd like to do the same as well. And she said, I do want to stay stay one step ahead of the fence too. On the plus side, she might move somewhere with competent Wi-Fi. Because really Becca has is. suffered the worst Wi-Fi ever in the last year. We've lost quite a few recording slots to it, haven't we, Becca? Mm. Sorry about that one, guys. Yeah, your hopefully, fault. It'll make it easier, meaning I'm sharing with less people. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Fair. Or, or it could just be down to the um, down to the divider. Yeah. We, shall, we shall go from there. Wi-Fi is fucking awful when it gets shit, so something yeah. you can do. Yeah, the Wi-Fi. But no, yeah, we've all, we've all made a move. This year, nearly, so I figure. Nearly, Me too. We nearly couldn't record. Yeah, all three of us will have moved in the same year. But um, uh, yeah, I honestly thought we weren't going to record tonight because the Wi-Fi was playing up as well. So it's been difficult. <sighs> what I will say, though, is if we ever had to have a gap where we properly prepare for an episode and it's one I really, really want to get right, it's the next one, which means Becca. I'm really looking forward to this. Do you expect a talk or return with Captain America, the Winter Soldier? 